This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined by my amazingly talented co-host, Brie Tucker. Hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> we were just like talking about our very, very interesting sinus issues. Like they're fascinating. Oh gosh. You know, I'm I'm so done with the summer, fall, and you know, the issues going on in the Western United States with our there's a lot of stuff in the air. I know. I feel terrible saying that I'm done because it, it, it's an awful thing, but my sinuses can't take it much longer. Your sinuses are done. Yeah. You know, there's problems in the world and we would love for them to get solved and we know they need lots of attention, but our sinuses are just done. They want to check out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so tell them what we're doing right now. Oh my gosh. So I opened, I'm like, oh, Brie, I need to like put some pep in myself for this podcast intro. And uh, she's like, do you want an, uh, what oils do you have? What combination? Oh, okay. So yeah, I, it's supposed to be an energy kind of pill thing. It helps me out during the day. It's peppermint, grapefruit, and lemon. Oh, do you make them yourself? Yeah, yeah. They're like you little vegetable capsules? gel caps. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I just remembered that I have my peppermint essential oil right here. And there's that trick. Who our taught, friend, was Jenna. Jenna, Jenna our, taught us that. Yes. You put like a little drop of your peppermint essential oil in your hands. And then you like. Breathe it in. You breathe it in. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Think of it like Vicks rub, but it's like Vicks rub. It's like oh, I, yeah, I and you can all. feel it. You can feel it all over. Oh, Just yeah. don't touch your face afterwards. You will immediately regret that I, decision. I feel <laughs> everything in my sinuses right now from the peppermint oil. Yes, 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 yes. We're pepped. No, we're, we're pepped, and we're ready to get into today. Today we are talking with a positive discipline expert who we've known for many years, mm-hmm. Dodie Blomberg. She does positive discipline. She teaches at a lot of schools positive discipline. She's been teaching positive discipline and practicing it since 1995, and has has facilitated hundreds of positive discipline trainings in the U.S., Europe, China, and now online. Yep. 
And we get into it how she was my positive discipline trainer when I was a teacher in the classroom. And she was my mentor in positive discipline. She not only did I attend her classes, but she also was the one who trained me as a positive discipline parent trainer. So if you've always wanted to know about positive discipline, including what it is and how you can do it in your home, this episode is where it's at because we don't punish our kids. We use positive discipline and this will be a great intro and you will pick up some tips too. We picked up some tips from Dodie. Yes. Yes. I always do. Every time I talk to her, there is something new. I feel like it's, you know, there's so much that you're learning that Every time you come into this topic, there's something that you weren't able to to catch last time because you were catching six other things. Yes. So it's always great to have that refresher. It's always one of those great, great reminders. And so if you have not yet subscribed to the No Guilt Mom podcast. What are you doing if you haven't subscribed? Come on, man. Go and subscribe and you get us right there in your podcast app every Tuesday and Thursday morning. And while you're there, rate us. Hopefully we get your five stars. Yes. And leave us a review. We're reading listener reviews every podcast episode because we want you to know how much we appreciate you. So today's review. Ooh, which one's today? Come on. Today's review is from Row 12010. Ooh, okay. And it's titled Embrace the Messiness. Oh my gosh, I love that. She used one of the phrases. That is from episode two with Dr. Lisa Bravo. If you don't know that phrase, go back and listen. But, but, but we love says, that phrase. Well, I'm just going to say we love that phrase so much. It. We put it on shirts. Yes, we did put it on shirts, <laughs> including so, mine that was on my belly because I didn't position it correctly. <laughs> but Rose says, I love listening to this podcast. It is like having a conversation with girlfriends. The No Guilt Mom podcast has actionable tips to help you remember that the best mom is a happy mom. So far, my favorite episode is episode number three about the homework personalities. That's a good mm-hmm. one. That is a good one. I love the actionable tips on how to help my kids through their homework drama. So thank you, Row 12010. We so appreciate the reviews. Yes, thank you. Clap, clap. So make sure to leave a review and we will read yours on air as our big thank you, thank you, thank you. And let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Emotions 911. Yes. Yes. The No Guilt Mom course for kids that teaches them so many things, Bray. Yes. For instance, if you have a child who is having some issues with temper tantrums, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe just having those huge emotional swings from perfectly happy one minute to really upset the next, or maybe having difficulty not using their body when they're angry. Emotions 911 is quite a helper, isn't it? Yes, because it not only teaches kids about their emotions, it teaches them how to name their emotions and how to communicate their emotions to other people. We dig in deep as to how their brain works, when they might need a break, and actual like phrases they could say to get all their emotions out. This is the process that I taught my kids on how to do their emotions. And what I loved about it was the fact of the platform. It's Really fun, short, really peppy videos for the kids. They're very short videos. They're like YouTube length videos, like three, four minutes tops. You know, kids don't have like, they don't want to sit in front of the computer for hours. 
Exactly. So it gives them exactly the amount that they can attend to it. And it's fun. It's relatable. And guess what? It's not coming from mom or dad. No, it's not coming. And you know what? Kids have told me, because kids can like write messages to me right on the platform. They said, thank you for teaching me how to like name my emotions. And I don't like to say control emotions, but how to manage emotions better. Mm -hmm. And parents have said like it's given their family an entirely new language to talk about problems. Right, right. And even though it is for your kids, highly suggest parents look at it too. Mm-hmm. Take a gander what we're using, what our vo- what the vocab is in it, what the techniques are, so that way you can help support it as well. And as a parent, it even gives us refreshers. Like I was just talking about that sometimes when you're watching something or learning something that you've already learned before, there are so many pieces that you don't pick up on. Mm-hmm. But when you come back to it, once you have some skill set, you pick up on these other golden nuggets that are amazing and are so helpful. They are. They are amazing. So Emotions 911, you can find more info and a link in our show notes. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Hi. Hi. How are you, Dodie? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. It's been like years since I've seen you. You taught a professional development class in Tempe, Tempe Elementary during like one of our summer back to school things. So I remember you very well from that. Yay. So we're just going to have a friendly chat. It's going to be fun. Yeah. That sounds great. I like friendly chats. Yeah. So Dodie, you're from Chicago originally. I did. I My first 20 years were in Chicago, and then I came out here to go to Arizona State, and I'm still here. <laughs> you were like, I'm really done with those winters in Chicago. Oh, are. They are rough. Yeah, You are not kidding. I thought I would go back, though, because it's so different here. But oh. then I got a job in Tempe, and then I got married and had kids, and I'm still here. There's a lot of Chicago transplants here in Arizona. My roommate, my college roommate was actually a Chicago transplant as well. So it's yeah. the weather, I guess. I think a lot of us just leave the Midwest. We're tired of the ice and the snow in the winters. I mean, it gets cold. It does. Yeah. It cold. And go yeah. devils, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my kids are ASU people too. My boy graduated. My girl's still there. So, you know. ASU gets so much flack. Like I am up for like promoting ASU as much as possible because I got a great education there. I got my bachelor's and my master's through ASU. Oh so go Arizona State. I just smile and say, okay, I went to school. I'm from the Midwest and that's where I went to college. So So you came, you were in Chicago for 20 years. You came here and you were a teacher. You were a classroom teacher. I did. I taught in Tempe for 12 years. Yeah, mostly fifth grade at Flora Fu Elementary School. That was my, the one I was at as well. I think that was our connection. I was a fifth grade teacher at Thu as well. (gasps) I love the Thu people. Yes, and and Anel. And Anel yeah. was one of my buddies. So it's, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. That I forgot that. I forgot that you were a That's teacher. The connection. There's That's the connection. The connection. Yeah. yeah. 
Hey all, it is Joanne and Brie here and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with, like, cool ant that they really dug, and, like, they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like, he thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. So you, I remember when I was a teacher there in Tempe, you were the one, you weren't a teacher there anymore, but you were giving all the positive discipline coaching to the teachers. So can you tell us first a little bit, what is positive discipline? Well, let me, I'm going to back up a little bit if that's okay. So my first year teaching was crazy hard because I did not have the tools and skills I needed to manage fifth graders. They were tough, like they look like they're only 10 and they're little, but they were tough kids. And, and I genuinely didn't have the tools and, and I struggled. I really struggled that first year. Like really, really mean, really, really kind, really, really mean, or really, really kind. And I was exhausted at the end of the day and they were crazy. I was crazy. It was not, it was not good. I think what I really learned is what didn't work. Like that's what I learned. I really didn't learn what did work. So a couple of years in, I'm figuring things out. And then a friend said, hey, you might like this class. And it was positive discipline in the classroom. And I took that training in 1995 and it rocked my world. Like, whoa, like it was a whole 180 degree turn from what I grew up with. My teachers and my parents, my growing up was when you do things wrong or you make a mistake, you get punished and you experience the pain and you won't do it again. And positive discipline is not that. It's not about making people feel pain for a mistake. 
One of the concepts is what if we taught kids what to do differently? Huh, what a concept, right? For me, it was a totally new concept. So I started doing class meetings and practicing positive discipline tools, and it made such a big difference in me and with my students. And as a class, like I thought I would teach forever. Like I'd found my niche. I got this. This is my thing. Well, then I got married and I had two kids and it was too much. So all those teachers out there who are doing it all, like it was too much for me. So I thought I'd take one year off. I thought I'd take one year off and then it was two and three and I never went back. Jody, Um, we have such a similar story. I did the same exact thing. I took one year off and then I never went back. (laughs) It's the hard... I say it's the second hardest job on the planet. I think the first hardest job is parenting. Yeah. And the second hardest job is teaching. And most people don't know that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then did this skills you were learning in the classroom with positive discipline, what effect did they have with your own kids at home? Well, you know, what was interesting is I... I didn't know there was a parenting component to positive discipline. I thought it was just for teachers, which is crazy, but I didn't know. And I think I kind of had a lens for my kids, but I still was a little harsh. And then I learned you could take the parent training. I was like, what? So I took the parent training and again, like, oh. You can can see the connection, right? (laughs) You could take time to train your own children. Like, again, what a, I'm a slow learner. I'm blown. I, think. <laughs> I don't know. No. No, I, think, I think it's something that like all of us parents, when we, those of us who fall into positive discipline, we're like, whoa, this is totally different than how we were raised. And okay. I haven't had experiences with you. Jody. you trained me in positive discipline for parents as well. I remember you sharing how your mom took it, you doing the whole positive discipline, because again, it was so different than how she had raised you. Yeah, it was about that. Yeah, it was a little ugly at first because when I was a child, I got yelled at. My mom, my mom was a good mom. Let's just put that out there. Yeah, she was a good mom, but she yelled a lot and spanked a lot. And after I took this positive discipline training with my children, when they made mistakes, I'd bring them over face to face, have a conversation. What do you need to do differently? Let's go fix that. Like solve the problem. And my mom wasn't digging it. She's just like, this is not the way. This is not how you do it. And I knew it was right. So I just held the course. I held the course. And years down the line, when my kids were more like six and three or seven and four, she got it. Like she got it. And she was gentler with my children and would talk to them instead of yelling at them. So it was actually beautiful. I just had to stay the course and have faith my mom would see the difference. And she did. She did. See? Yeah. 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 But stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. And jumping forward, just so people can kind of see what it ends up being like. I mean, your kids are older now. They're in their 20s. They are. And I would joke with people that I was doing a science experiment because I wasn't (laughs) raised this way. So every few years, I'd look at my kids and go, all right, it's still looking good. A couple of years, still looking good. All right. And so now my boy is 25. He graduated from ASU with a business degree. My girl's 22. She's at ASU studying psychology because she loves positive discipline so much. They both have jobs. They're independent. It's still looking good. It's like all we want for our kids to be independent and self-sufficient. And I feel positive discipline really raises them to do that in the future. Yes. And it gives us the tools we need to help support them in learning the skills they need. And I also feel like I I try to utilize it as much as possible with my kids because I'm not perfect. I slip up sometimes. And my favorite rule is mistakes are wonderful opportunities to learn. 
So every time I make a mistake, I tell my kids, whoops, okay. Don't always sound that pretty, but I'll be like, whoops, mom messed up. Okay, what can we do differently? And I even have my kids like help me with problem solving because sometimes I can't see past what the issue is. So sometimes they have great suggestions that I never would have thought of. But on top of that, I feel like I'm divorced from my kid's dad. So he has a little bit of a different parenting technique that he utilizes with them. But my kids do tell me often that they feel like they are well supported with me and they're respected and they feel like they can talk to me about anything, which is, I feel like such a big deal these days. There's so much going on with our kids. There's so much that they're exposed to that we weren't as kids. And my biggest hope is that I can just keep that connection as long as possible, that they can come to me and that they can trust me and they're able to learn problem solving skills to move forward. But it's such a big deal to hear them say like, you know, they trust me and they feel like they can come talk to me. And that's a big factor from positive discipline. So Bree, I appreciate the word you just said was connection. For me too, with my kids, when things get wonky, bottom line, what do I want? I want to stay connected to them. So how do we stay connected and move through whatever it is? Yeah, that connection piece. Thank you for saying that. That's a big thing that I've always heard said with positive discipline, you would always say in the classes. Connection. Connection before correction. So just to (laughs) lay it all out for everybody, what is positive discipline? So the, the quick one-minute overview on um, positive discipline is based on Alfred Adler's work. And Adler was a physician and a psychologist in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And at university, if you study him, it's called individual psychology. And the positive discipline authors, Jane Nelson and Lynn Lott, have taken Adler's theory and put it in really simple terms for us regular people, because he wrote in German and big words. And so Jane and Lynn have made it nice and simple for all of us. So the work, Positive Discipline has been out since the mid 80s. I didn't find it till the mid 90s. And there's just some simple principles. There's many principles, but there's just some principles that Positive Discipline holds on to. So just a few of them is all human beings want belonging and significance. And when we feel like we belong and when we feel significant, our behavior tends to be useful and helpful. When we don't feel like we belong and we don't feel significant, our behavior tends to be not useful and not helpful. And that goes for children and adults too, right? So think of yourself when you're in a situation you belong, right? You're you're all good. good. You're comfortable. Yeah. And if you're in a situation you don't feel like you belong, like we might behave appropriately, but internally, and A beautiful thing about belonging and significance is belonging is love and connection, like Bree just said, and significance is responsibility. So we don't just want to just love on our kids. They want to be responsible. They want to be contributing factors to the home. So yeah, connection and responsibility. That significance part is so big too, because kids, they don't want everything handed to them. It makes them unhappy. It makes them, I feel it makes them not in control of their situation either. And many parents, like me in particular, like sometimes the chores thing comes up and you don't want to fight with your kids doing chores, but chores are such a big part of household significance. Yes. Right. And I, it's, I laugh and smile because I've always used the uh, positive discipline trick with chores and uh, it's always worked well in my house, but that's for another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Doing like a family meeting and people picking jobs. So yeah. So belonging and significance are one of the core components of positive discipline. What else is there? Yes. And then we talk about kind and firm parenting, to be kind and firm. And kind is the relationship, right? We treat each other with kindness, but firm is the needs of the situation. 
So we need to be firm too. And I think for many of us, I know when I grew up, it was either kind or firm. My mm-hmm. first year teaching, kind or firm. <laughs> and then I learned you yeah. could be both. Like, how do you be both? And that's what positive discipline really focuses on, tools and skills that help us as parents be kind and yet firm at the same time. How can you be both kind and firm in the home? Can, can you think of an example? example? My favorite example is if your kids want something, right? That they can't have, be it candy or going to the park or like whatever. It's not an option right now, right? So a lovely, lovely statement is, honey, I love you. And the answer is no. But, but mom, but mama, honey, I love you. Give them a hug. The answer is no. We can't do that right now. And you can hold no really firmly with a gentle voice. No means no in a whisper or in a shout, right? And that eye connection too. Just, it means yeah. no. That's excellent. I'm going to use that phrase. I, I feel like that. I'm a waffler sometimes. I'm like, well, am I really saying no because I just don't want to do it? Or am I saying no? Because you know, I get too much in my own head as a parent at times. Well, there are times to ask yourself that. Is this a real hard no or is it a soft no? Can I think about this? Let me think about this. Right. Sometimes it's a hard no. And sometimes the answer is right now it's no, mm-hmm. but maybe later yeah. or later when. Like, because again, it depends on the situation, what's going on. I do use the, let me think about this. And then sometimes my kids push me. They're like, but mom, I'll be like, well, if I have to say now, it's no. But if you let let me me think think. about it, it might be a maybe. (laughs) Lovely. It gives you a little space to do some problem solving or decision making. Right? Right? Yeah. 100%. It buys you some time. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other core things about positive discipline you want to share? I have two more I want to share. Okay. So... One is that all human beings want mutual respect and dignity. And how do we parent our kids and always let them hold their dignity and always treat them respectfully? Because sometimes people say, you know, you kid, you need to treat me respectfully. Well, if we don't treat them respectfully, they don't know what it means, what it sounds like, what it looks like, right? So how do we, like you said, hold no respectfully, right? And the last one I wanted to share was encouragement. Encouragement is the greatest motivator. And often people think carrots and sticks are great motivators. Carrots and sticks are, but people move forward with lots of resistance with carrots and sticks, right? Where with encouragement, the root word is courage. And it just gives people the courage to step forward or to move forward. Especially in a scary situation or something where they're not sure of their skill set, which the Mm -hmm. whole point we're teaching. Yeah. And going back to the carrots and sticks, I've seen that used as kind of, you know, the go-to in discipline where, you know, you have your sticker chart or you have the, if you do this many things, then you get like a reward on Saturday. And even allowance, I feel, is sometimes used as the carrot and stick thing where a lot of kids aren't motivated by getting money or getting money taken away. They're more motivated by that connection and that feeling that they're in control and the feeling that they have the skills to actually solve problems and become better. What I do sometimes, or I did sometimes, is think about if I were on the receiving end of that, if you were my spouse and I said, honey, you know, I'd like yummier dinners cooked. And if you cook a really yummier dinner tonight, I will pay you $10. <laughs> And for every night you make a yummy dinner, I'll give you $10. What do you think? How do you feel about, you feel about that? Well, a little patronizing. A little patronizing. Yeah, patronizing, yeah. Just do it. 
I see that now. <laughs> right? It lands like, bleh. I'm not doing that, right? Would it make you cook better dinners? I'm yeah. almost crying and no. laughing on this one so bad. <laughs> I know. No, I mean, yeah. no. no, not I'd at probably all. probably throw the dinner at him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, seeing as how that is not a way we would react with adults, it's also not a way we should react with kids and try to well, them to do stuff. So here's my other thought. Like, keep it in your back pocket if you really, really, really need it. Like I clear, my kids both know. I said, do you guys remember a time when I just straight out bribed you? Do you remember? And they do. Like my kids were sick and they need, they were at the age they were supposed to take a pill. They were old enough and capable to do it. And they were afraid and didn't want to. And I just needed them to, and they were sick, right? I just needed them to know they were capable. So like, I think I said, okay, I'll pay you $5 for the first one you take. I'll pay you four for the second one, three for the, and it worked. And now it's a skill they, like I worked it down. Five, four, three, two, one, no more ever again. Like straight out bribing, I'm clear of it. And it gave them the courage to just do that one thing. The building of capacity is huge. We do that in our homework 911 class where kids, like I did this when I got my daughter to start working on her own homework. She got fruit snacks. She sat down on at the table And every problem, she got like a fruit snack the first day. And then I turned it over to her and I'm like, okay, well, how many problems do you think you need to do to get a fruit snack? And she's like, I'll do like three and I'll get my fruit snack. And we just progressed day by day by day until finally she's like, mom, just give me the pack. Like I'm going to do my homework. (laughs) And then we phased out the fruit snacks because she had built the capacity. She knew she could do it at that point and she didn't need the reward anymore. So Love I it. think that's really important when we're talking about rewards and kids in that rewards aren't supposed to last forever. There you go. And I think the fact that that works, I, I know plenty of times in speaking with parents, they're like, well, I tried a reward system and it didn't work. Like after a few days or after a week or after two weeks, they stopped caring about it anymore. Well, that was the key factor there was that you turned it over to the child's choice. You gave your daughter a choice mm-hmm. and you asked her and showing her that you had faith that she could do it without needing that reward the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes a big difference because if they think that they're only doing it for the reward, then what's the point, right? Yeah, it's manipulation. And nobody (laughs) likes to be manipulated. Nobody. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know 
while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Yeah. And they figure it out. Kids are smart cookies. Oh, yeah. They are smart. No, they totally yeah. figure it out. I think the thing, too, is like long-term. We're always aiming for long-term. And do we want our kids to appreciate or value manipulation so when they're older, they get manipulated by people? Like, they're okay with that? Like, we do not want our kids to buy into manipulation. So we should do it as rarely as possible with them. What would be the first step then if, say, parents were having trouble getting their kids to do chores and what they've had in their pocket so far is a reward chart or a reward system? What do you suggest that they move to from there if it's not working? So I'm thinking my first thought would be to sit down and just have a lovely chat. This is our house. Like it's the family house, not my house. It's the family house. And for all of us to live here, we all have to contribute. Now, there's certain jobs nobody likes, but there's all of these jobs. So maybe depending on their age, you guys could brainstorm jobs and everybody could pick one and then go again and pick two. So everybody has a few jobs that are theirs and and it's their responsibility to do it. And you can even talk about how should I remind you? Because I really don't want to be the reminder. It's your job. How can we figure out this process? Do you want a chart? So once you've done it, you mark it off, but there's no reward. It's just so you know it's done. I know it's done. How mm-hmm. do you want to do that? And really chat about it as opposed to, I think the difference is it's not, you're going to do your homework. Like <laughs> me, you're going to do the chore. I have power yeah. over. Like yeah. how do we share this power? Like we're all in this together. How do we do this? And legit listening to your children when they come to the table with suggestions. Some of them may be off the wall, Mm -hmm. things you can't do, but that doesn't mean you can't listen to it Mm -hmm. and go, okay, all right, let's think about that and come back to that one. Yeah. And some of them also may be stuff that you know from past experience, it doesn't work. So what happened? What would you suggest parents do when you know a suggestion that the kid has? Like, let's say they say, no. let me just do it on let my own. Do I don't it. need you to remind me. And you're like, okay, you are 15 and you have never done it on your own. <laughs> ideally, here's ideally. I don't know what I'd do in the moment. If right. I was grumpy or tired or hungry, I don't know what I would do. But sitting in the, I'm totally solid with positive discipline at this moment. Like <laughs> Ideally, I'd say, all right, I'm going to let you have a full week. Here's a full week. I'm going to give you 100%. I'll say nothing. And then let's meet on Friday or Saturday morning. And we'll talk about how it got done, what worked, what didn't work. And just, can I just say like, as a parent, when my kids were teens, the hardest part was shutting up. Like it was right? so hard. You're like even pinching like, yourself sometimes. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Yeah, I put my fingers like, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, like, just be quiet, right? And at the end of the week, we dialogue. What happened? What worked? What didn't work? And you know what I love about that? Giving your child that space Mm -hmm. shows that you have faith in them. You do. It shows that you do. It's not just words. Mom is not just saying, you know, you're a smart kid, you're capable, whatever it is that you're telling your children on a regular basis, you're showing it. You're not just saying it, you're walking the walk with it. And it's so hard. And that means a lot to them. It's really, really hard. Like 
I, my, <laughs> I know, right? my daughter is 11 and I'm starting to do this now. And I have to like press my lips together and like ball my fists and leave the room. Like I have to physically get out of there else I'm going to say something. <laughs> I know it's harder to be quiet than I just pinch my, back, right? I pinch harder. myself when <laughs> I'm like trying not to say anything. <laughs> oh, it's so yeah, it's funny when I think about the times that it's just bubbling out of me. You see my legs start to jump and I'm just like, nope. No, but it's interesting talking about this whole trusting kids and building their confidence really in themselves. I mean, I had this... We were uh, doing some paddleboarding on Monday, my daughter's first time. And it was our friend who took us out. And I could see my daughter was not doing this paddle correctly. I could see it. And I was here and I'm like, so Mel, do you want me to like tow her so you could coach her or something? And Mel, being the amazing coach she is, she told me, she's like, no, we got it. We're good. You go ahead. <laughs> and it's the the building of the confidence in kids where sometimes as a parent, we can't step in and help. We just have to go ahead and trust that our kids will make it. They will flip up. They will flounder a little bit. Yeah, they will flounder. But you have to have faith that they'll be able to problem solve it. So Adler has a quote and I'm going to botch it up, but the quote is something like overcoming life's difficulties is what creates courage. And that's very, very That's a great true. one. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to let our kids bump up against stuff. We have to shut up, step back and let them bump and get over it. Because we know life is full of obstacles. It's, it's full hard. of challenges that we're not going to always be there to help them no matter how much we want to be. Yeah. Are there times you remember with your own kids of challenges that you kind of had to let them figure it out? There were a lot. I would say the most recent one, and oh, I don't know if I have permission to share this. So my girl was struggling in her senior year of high school, really struggling. And it was the same time my husband and I were divorcing. So there was a lot happening. And she was failing three classes and she's never failed anything. Like it just was not normal. And I was scared she wasn't going to graduate. She was scared she wasn't going to graduate. Do I jump in and play the hard ball, sit your butt down, get this like, uh, yeah, it was really hard to sit as the coach and be curious and ask questions and see how she's going to solve it. And a week later, things weren't better. I go in my room and cry, recover, come back, try the conversation. Like it took a few weeks for her to get her feet under her and to decide what to do and how to do it. And Brie, what you said before, the one thing I knew for sure doing this time is I was staying connected to her no matter what happened. Like even if she didn't pass these classes, I was staying connected to her no matter what, even though I was scared and mad. And often when we're scared and mad, we push people away, right? So thank you for that connection word. It all ended up okay, but it was really a difficult time for her, a really difficult time for me. And she learned so much about herself and what she needed to do and how to do it. And it was powerful and crazy hard. Do you see that what she learned during that time, do you see it now reflected in her day-to-day life today or in situations she's come across today? I do. Like she's at ASU, she was having trouble with classes and she went to the professors, asked questions, like took the lead on what to do and how to do it instead of just floundering. You have, okay. So I'm going to reflect, run back in time with your daughter. You have the most wonderful story about when she was younger. I think that it was like you were at a Girl Scout meeting or something or something. You know what I'm talking about? The hug. I do. Yes. 
So my girl, my, I've learned so much from my girl. When she was little, she'd have these great temper tantrums. And this was before I knew there was like this, like you could do a PD training. So I had the parent book and I looked and it said, when kids have temper tantrums, give them a hug. I'm like, what? I am not giving her a hug. That is permissive. That is not happening. But these temper tantrums kept happening and I was getting mad and she's mad. Look in the book, give a hug. Not giving a hug. This is not happening. So finally I was like, all right. So positive discipline helped me with my fifth graders. What if I tried this hug for just a week? I know it's not going to work. It's not going to work. But what if I just tried it for one week and then I'll throw it out? So she's having this big temper tantrum. I'm like, all right. Let's go in. And I squatted down, eye level. And I said, Cassidy, it looks like you need a hug. She looked at me. I was like, yeah. So she hugged me. I hugged her and she's melted on me. I was like, wow, this is interesting. But internally, I'm still like, this is permissive. This is, but I did this for a few days. And then her miss, her temper tantrums just kind of fell off. Like, you know, when misbehavior stop, we don't notice, right? They're just Mm -hmm. gone. And about a year later, I was having a hard day. So she's three now. I'm having a hard day and I'm at my computer crying all by myself. And, and she comes in and she sees me crying. She's like, mom, it looks like you need a hug. So now I'm crying even more. And now a year later, I'm getting that that wasn't permissive. I helped to self-regulate her, right? Two-year-olds can't regulate themselves. So a hug genuinely helped regulate her. And she learned empathy, right? And so she's asking if, if I needed a hug. And truthfully, this is one of her greatest gifts. Like she sees when people are upset, friends and such, and she'll say, do you need a hug? Like, yeah. So it happened at a Girl Scout meeting with this little boy. She squatted down. Do you need a hug? You hugged her. She helped like, yeah. And when I'm having a hard time, she's like, mom, mom. I'm like, I don't need a hug. Get it. Mom, mom. Okay. 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 Bring it in. Bring it in, mom. Bring it in. <laughs> so a hug is a great tool too. I think we all need more hugs. I think hugs are great resets in general. Like I know that with both of my kids, if they're having a hard time, they know I'll be like, come on, come on, give mama a hug. And sometimes even if my daughter's mad at me, she's like, I don't want a hug. And I'm like, are you sure you don't want a hug? Then I'll get her to laugh and yeah, we can normally move forward with that. Sometimes there's, sometimes though I have to respect because again, my daughter's 12 now. So I have to respect when she does say the absolute like hard no. Hard no, I need some space. Okay, yeah. all right. But the hug's waiting for you. And so I keep yeah. checking in with her mm-hmm. as the day goes on. And I'm a goofy, silly person. Everybody knows that about me. Yeah. So I just, she knows I'm not going to let it go. Not going to let it go into the... But like hugs, Get it. they're so important. They're such like a form of connection. And in today's society, they've been really... Hugs. They've been really... St- well, COVID yeah. for one. <laughs> Even before COVID, I mean, one of my best ways to connect with kids when I was like a camp counselor was we would give them a hug. I worked at a Girl Scout camp and the best, it was the best working environment I ever had because one of our staff mottos was everybody needs 14 hugs a day. So we would just like, every time we greeted each other, we would hug each other. And it was this wonderful thing. Come into teaching where right at the end of my teaching program, you take this class called teachers in the law. Which scares you so bad (laughs) of things you can and can't do in the classroom. And hugs were basically prohibited. You just can't do them as a teacher because of lawsuits and everything that's happened before. And it's hard. It's hard when those kids, they just need a hug, but you're like, I can't hug you. I can like pat you on the shoulder and like give me side side hip. The one armed hip out. Yeah. Yeah. So... 
That's my little lament on on hugs. <laughs> the littles, right? The littles really yeah, want. Yeah, the littles. Oh, they really yeah. need hugs. But even like fifth graders, like I was doing, some of them could have really used some hugs. Sometimes I needed a hug in fifth grade. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So what do you think? I already know I've heard quite a bit about the differences between punishment and positive discipline. And I feel like what I've heard is that the punishment mentality is more of like, again, you need to feel bad for what happened. I need to make sure that you feel the anger, the pain, the whatever of what occurred so that you learn not to do it again. Versus positive discipline, we're more about, okay, that that sucked. Let's acknowledge our feelings right now, how you feel, how I feel. Do we want to feel like this again? What does this make us think about the situation? Okay, what can we do to learn and go forward from it? Mm-hmm. So positive discipline, I feel like it's more about teaching what to do as opposed to, and it's more of... A proactive. Thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Teamwork. Right I, didn't, I didn't have to work very hard on that one. I, I just changed the prefixes. I know. But no, I mean... I shouldn't get much credit for that. (laughs) Yeah, I need my coffee. I'm missing coffee these days. (laughs) No, but but it's true. Like discipline, I learned this as a teacher actually for the first time, that it was teaching. It means to teach. It doesn't mean to punish. Right. So think about this again. If you have a problem like in life, like let's say you get in a car accident or you made a mistake at work and nobody says you go to your room and you think about what you did and don't come out until you... Like nobody... I'm not having supper. I'm not going to have supper. I'm going in my room. That's what I'm doing because I. we don't do that. What do we do when we make a mistake or do something wrong? What do we do? We try to figure out a yeah. solution. We try to repair it. Yeah. yeah. We try mm-hmm. a new solution or we repair it. Or And if that doesn't work, then we punish ourselves, right? Right. No. no. What do we do? No. What do we do? We try something else. Try something else. Keep trying. Right. Because right. we're trying to find a solution to the problem. So why can't we let kids do that? Like they know they made a mistake, right? They hit their brother. Everybody fell. Like everybody knows the mistake happened. So how do we solve that for next time, right? Because there's going to be a next time. Solutions are forward facing. Punishments are backward facing. Like, oh, I did that back there. I don't want to do that again. But what do I do differently next time? I don't know what I do differently next time. I just know I can't do that. Well, I don't know what to do differently, right? So it's how do we solve it for next time instead of just creating pain in the moment, right? What would you say when you have that discussion with kids and you're like, okay, well, what can we do next time? What are your ideas? And they just shut down and they are like, I don't know. So there's a couple of reasons kids will do that. One is because people don't listen, right? If adults didn't listen before, they're like, and someone's going to, there's something behind this. I'm not going to put any ideas out because I'm going to get There's a trick here. This parent, this adult is doing a trick here and I don't want to get caught in the trick. I'm just going to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So my first thought would be, well, think about it and I'm going to come back and we'll chat some more. And if I'm still getting, I don't know, I don't know. I'm going to have to really think about what my behaviors have been in the past. Like, why are they putting this big block up? And I might even start, well, you know what? How about if I give a few suggestions and then you give a few suggestions? What if you apologize to your sister? What if you sewed the bear that you ripped? What if, what else could you do? What else could you do to make this right? What else could you do? And just kind of have light energy so they could feel willing to give some suggestions. We want our kids to be problem solvers. That's what we want, that they can solve problems out in the world all by themselves. But we have to remember that 
as parents utilizing a new technique or a new skill Mm -hmm. and as children utilizing a new skill, asking them to think about things in a way that they may not have been asked to do previously, it's going to take time. Yeah, It's going to take time for everybody to A, have that mutual trust and respect with each other, and then B, to be able to utilize that skill on... Well, sort of on demand, like when you're asking them to problem solve, being able to problem solve then. And then I think a big one to see would be just also letting people come up with their own process for problem solving. I know I don't solve problems the same way that that you solve problems, Joanne. And I, and I know that my kids, both their problem solving methods are different with the two of them. So everybody has their own process and respecting that process once mm-hmm. you figure it out, like being able to, to let people go through that. Sorry, I'm rambling. <laughs> yeah, and it, it takes patience. And a lot of us don't have patience. That's not my greatest skill. Right. Yeah. And especially the patience, knowing that being afraid of the future, being afraid of trusting the process and hoping and praying that it'll work, but not quite sure it will. And so like your brain tries to override that and talk too much or suggest too much or do whatever. So it's it's hard and it's a hard thing to do. Where would you suggest parents go to learn more about these positive discipline techniques? First, I would encourage you to go to positivediscipline.org. That's the nonprofit that does international work. And many of my trainings are in through them. You could go to my website, dodieblomberg.com. But I'm also doing a training through Mesa Parent University at the end of September and October. And it's free for parents. So you got to love free. So you go to Mesa Parent University, look for my class. It's on September 24th. It's a three-week series and it's free. You just have to register, sign up, and it's online even. How great is that? great. That is awesome. Dodie, you've given us so many great nuggets and things to think about. It has been a total joy talking with you. Yes. Yes. It's been so great getting to see you again. I know you girls too. And I love this work. Like I just really love this work. Thank you. We love it too so far. Yes. It's great. So we will, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks girls. Have a great day. I I love talking with Dodie because she is so relatable and she doesn't make you feel bad for doing the wrong things. Yes. Every time I, I talk with her, I just love her energy. I literally feel like she is this just ray of sunshine right there. She she's is. like, it's okay. It's all good. We'll and, figure it all out together. And she's so honest with her own parenting struggles. And she's not there to say, you should do it this way. And this is the only way. Yeah. Like, that I love. I love it so, so much. I also love how she said, like when we asked her a question, she's like, well, sitting here in the expert chair, I have one answer. But actually being a parent in that situation, she didn't know how she would react because there's so many emotions on you as a parent that you can't do the most perfect thing every time. Well, and the other thing too is that there is not one thing that works for everyone. There isn't one size fits all solution for every single person. Now, again, like when it comes to positive discipline, it's a theory, it's a group of strategies, many different tools, many different strategies that you utilize, but they have some key concepts. And and the one key concept that always has resonated with me with positive discipline is that everybody has this sense of wanting to belong. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, all human beings want belonging is what she said. And I think that's so important to keep close whenever Mm -hmm. we come up with a situation with our kids where there's a struggle or a conflict, just to keep that in mind. All they want is belonging. I've used that so much since we interviewed Dodie. Mm -hmm. Like I've used it to say no more. Really? Which is really interesting because like my daughter asked me a lot of stuff. She's like, can we go to pedicure? Can we do this? Can we do this? It's like so many things and you're saying no so many times that it almost makes me feel bad to say no that many times. I get it. That mom guilt, it sneaks in. But coming in with the positive discipline angle and being able to just like tap her on the shoulder being like, I love you, but no. Yeah. I love you, but the answer is no. And like, that was a great thing how she just kept doing it. And like, just, and I know that in podcast world, people couldn't see her face, but Dodie would just give this big smile and go, I love you, but no, no. And yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's really what it comes down to is that, you know, as adults, we understand that some things are just no's. Mm -hmm. They're just no's right now. Doesn't mean that we can't do it, you know, in a week, two weeks, two months, two years, right? It's just, it's a no right now, but the kids don't understand that. They don't have the same concept of time. And again, like she was saying, maybe, maybe the ask for the pedicure was just because she wanted to spend time with you. I love you, but the answer is no to pedicures. Is there something else we can do? I did say yes to that one. Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah, that that would be a good one. I wanted a pedicure (laughs) as well. And like I told her after, I'm so glad you asked me for this one because it's something that I needed. I needed a break. I needed to like get out and do something fun and just sitting there and not having to do anything and being touched. It's so nice, especially in this COVID world where oh, I know, yeah, hugs and everything. Get, just getting to have a connection, just getting to go do something productive outside of the house. Yes, right? yes, just getting so, that. Yeah. But we have all of the stuff we did with Dodie. It is in the show notes for you, along with how you can find out more about her, how you can find out more about positive discipline. We have actually this whole interview. We have this wonderful show notes all written up. So if you're listening to it in the car and you're like, oh, I really wanted to remember it. You can just hop on over to our show notes page where we have a total transcript and we took out the big points in the interview for you to remember later. So that is on noguiltmom.com. There's also a link in your podcast app, wherever you're listening to us. And until next time, remember that the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you and we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening. comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.